Hi everybody, welcome again to the very originally named Mike Quirk podcast. This is episode 14 of the series where we've tried to look a little bit deeper at, at coaching and see if we can find ways that we can all do it better. Um, today will be the final one and you know, and put it on the shelf for a while now until, until after the GEA season at least. I haven't quite made up my mind whether we'll pick it up after that or not, but uh, I want to say a huge thank you lads, Every, and you've heard me say it now probably most weeks, but you know, I'm very, very appreciative of everybody who has donated already to the to the fundraiser for Temple Street Children's Hospital. Um, you know, it's it's. I know it's a very, very worthy cause, but I also know that this is a tough time for everybody with a pandemic and a lot of people are out of work. But people's generosity and Irish people's generosity in general never never ceases to amaze. So I'm very appreciative of everybody who is who has given any amount of money to the fundraiser, and and I, I want to say a, you know a really big thank you to everybody. Um, also to the people who've continued to share it around the place um, you know again I've always said it the more people that listen the more people that are are, are, uh, are inclined to donate so um, this will be the final one <clears throat> and I'd like to make a, a pretty big push this week if I could in terms of sharing it around in terms of passing it on to people that might be interested I'm going to leave a, a two-week window between the last podcast and the closing of the fundraiser so just for people maybe to join us late that they can still contribute if they wish um i want to i suppose seems it's the last one i want to say a big thank you to each and every one of the guests that came on uh, the quality of people and coaches that freely gave of their time was just i was brilliant to be honest and and i've got huge feedback from other coaches who've who've commented on, on how much they picked up from the different contributors um, like we've had coaches from the GA, from football, hurling, soccer, basketball, rugby, camogie, we've sports psychology, performance coaching. You know, we've had people involved in Formula One and professional boxing, Arsenal, um, you know, pr- Premiership soccer. The quality of the people that we've had and, and some of the strength of messages that they've given, I think, have been have been really impactful. Um, and, and I'm just delighted, I suppose, with the quality of the content that, that people have given and, and that coaches are telling me they've really picked up from it so again this is this is going to be the last one uh and i'd really really appreciate it and i really like it if, if people could share this one all over the place to to make sure that you know it reaches as many people as possible and that within the last two weeks everybody who has maybe not heard of it already can can get a listen of a couple and maybe contribute and for those people who have enjoyed the content and maybe haven't gotten around to contributing um this would be a really good time this next two weeks is is your last window and and once it shuts it shuts and and i'll be presenting the money to temple street children's hospital and um again anything at all would would uh, would be most appreciated by us and by them okay <clears throat> so this week i i've asked people to to send in different questions or emails that you know that they might have in terms of of uh, any queries or, or or stuff they'd like me to tackle in terms of of their own context of coaching and and to be fair i've, I've got a good few in and i've kind of narrowed them down because some are kind of similar um so i'm going to read out a couple of the emails and and then maybe some of the some of the ideas or, or, or thoughts behind it and again you know if people want to contribute online they want to stick up their own kind of solutions or different things that 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 would be really good too so the first one here is from peter um, and I think this is a, this is an interesting one. It's probably a typical one in a lot of clubs as well. But um, he says, how do you deal with old school head coaches who you work alongside, but who don't believe in new learnings and still think that laps are still the way to go at underage for under 10s and under 12s, for example? 
he, he cites the line that kids haven't got off the Xbox since Christmas and a few really hard sessions like this will sort them out, that kind of an attitude. And he goes on to describe the, you know, the I suppose the head coach that, that is a little bit stuck in their ways, you know, that has been playing senior football for the club or whatever, or senior basketball or whatever the sport might be. Um, and he just questions about that attitude that still exists whereby they're maybe stuck in, you know, in, in the way that they used to do things. Um, and I had just a couple of quick lines on it. I, I think, first of all, for anybody involved in sport anymore, you know, especially juvenile sport, we have to have a rule of no laps, no lines, no lectures. Uh, th- those three things in particular are, are the fastest way to make sure that kids are going to drop out of your game. Um, and I always use the example of, of a surgical procedure, that if you were going to have even something like a cataract removed 50 years ago, or you're going to have a cataract removed today, one of those surgeries is going to be far less invasive and, and, and involve a far easier recovery process than the other. And and it's the one that's going to happen today as opposed to the one that happened 50 years ago. And that's not to say that they were doing anything wrong 50 years ago. They were doing what they thought was best at that time. But then science evolved. We learned better ways to do things. So now I guarantee you, if you're somebody who has to have a, a any kind of a surgical procedure, you'd want to be operated under today's conditions because of what science and and has done and, and advanced the whole process as opposed to have it done 50 years ago like science has influenced sport physical activity health all these things in the same way that it does medicine technology and everything else look at a mobile phone we didn't have mobile phones 30 years ago and now you couldn't hardly find a person that doesn't have one um, so what science tells us about about coaching and about sport is that there's a better way to do it than we did 50 years ago 40 years ago 30 years ago 20 years ago we don't have to run laps. We don't have to have nothing but drills. We can do things in a better way that involves you know, putting kids in positions where they're playing games over and over and over and over again with different conditions, with modifying the rules, making sure everybody's getting loads of touches, making sure they're really engaged. And we don't have to do it the way it was done before. Science has brought us to a new place. And ultimately, if you have coaches in your club, and I know there is, there's loads in every club, in every sport in Ireland that, that feel that, Look, I won a county championship or I won an All-Ireland title doing it this way 40 years ago. And this is the way that, that got me success. That's fine and that worked for you and that's great and there's no one knocking what you did. Um, but it doesn't mean that, that we can modify it and improve it and, and do it in a better way today. Um, and, and again, if people ultimately aren't going to come on board with, with being nudged in the right direction then it's going to take an uncomfortable conversation because if you allow that that attitude to be pervasive in your club it's going to lead to kids not playing the game as long as they will, as long as they possibly could um, so that means you have to you have to nudge people in that right direction uh, to say yeah we can still incorporate some of this stuff it's not all bad it's not to say that what you were doing was terrible but there's there's better ways there's ways we can improve it now that instead of running laps let's get kids playing really hard in these small sided games because they'll get just as fit and they'll get all the physiological benefits that you could get from running you know 10 laps by actually playing the game in a small sided way and i think sometimes that that's a really important message and and again it's for it's for coaches with those ideas to make sure that maybe coaches that were a little bit stuck in their ways or are able to see you know what there's another way and 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 maybe a slightly better way okay uh, i'm going to jump on to the second one so this is from alan uh, and this is you know he's really asking about the idea that bernard jackman spoke about in, in his episode about gamification um 
Johnny McMurtry, who was a researcher involved with Rugby Australia and the University of Queensland, spoken about as well about about the whole kind of concept in his, his in his episode. And I suppose the idea is really about how can we take elements of of video games, the likes of Fortnite or Minecraft, that that are almost you know have an almost addictive quality for kids. Uh, how can we take the those elements out of those games? And, and maybe incorporate some of them into our, our football or our basketball or our rugby or soccer training to try and get the same kind of a response from kids that they want to do it all the time. They want to play. They want to get better. They want to advance. They want to move up the levels. How can we take elements from that and, and, and put them into our training? Not that we have to do it all the time, but maybe, you know, here and there we can we can give them a little touch of this to, so, to show that, you know, we're trying to do, do new things as well to keep you engaged. And uh, I, I would I would encourage everybody to go back and listen to Bernard Jackman's episode. He speaks about this in uh, maybe not in depth, but he, he gives the the, the, the the broader brush strokes, I suppose. But he will also if you if you wish you want to get more information about it, he has a presentation that he'll that he'll email on to you if you want to drop in him a line. He's done it already for a couple of coaches I know. Um but the whole concept I suppose really is is like that. What are the things from Fortnite that kids find really, really addictive and really, you know, what what is it that that game does that kids want to play it all the time? And it's and it's something very basic in terms of our own needs, our own three basic needs in terms of competence, relatedness, and autonomy. And you know, how do we, how can we give those things to the kids? Um, so, for example, Fortnite, you know, some of some of the powerful stuff they do, you you can select your squad, you can pick the players that you're going to play with, and different things. So in football, we can we can have a day where where maybe the kids are selecting the first two members of their squad, and we use that language. So they they ready up is the term that they use in Fortnite. So let's let's ready up and pick our squad. So you pick your first two members of the squad. They pick them themselves. We can throw in the other couple of players to make up that team. Um, you know then maybe select a team name select their mission like give the kids give those kids maybe 30 seconds say okay i i I want two things here what's your mission now you know maybe maybe it's that we score three goals and everybody gets it gets at least one touch of the ball before we score a goal maybe that's their their mission we give the kids a pause so that each team has a chance to actually pause the game and say hang on we need to we need to just have a, a little strategy a re, you know a, a meeting here to 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 re-strategize because what we were trying to do isn't working so give us give us a pause for 20 seconds that we can have a chat about this uh, and then maybe they have a restart that you know okay it's not working at all we've used up our pause we're going to restart this game we only have one pause and one restart again they they have the chance then in those games that when things are going really well and they they accomplish a task then they move up a level and the level gets a little bit trickier the next time so the same thing in our game. So you, if you score your three goals and everybody gets a touch, okay, so, so now we got to move up to the next level. So what can be the next level? Select your mission again. So is it to score five goals? Is it to include a, a, a score with our weak leg? Is it is whatever it is? So we have to become a little bit um, more ingenious, I suppose, in, in terms of how are we engaging them at that level? So that maybe we could throw in one of these sessions every every four sessions or whatever it might be just something a little bit different to to catch their eye and 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 again maybe you try it out and it completely bombs and it doesn't work at all 
uh, and then you talk to the kids and ask them and say oh, okay can you do you have any ideas how could we make this session a little bit more like Fortnite or, or Minecraft or, or FIFA or whatever it is they're playing how, how is it that that we can make football training or basketball training a little bit like that for today ask them what, what are what are the couple of the things they'll give them to you they'll tell you straight away oh let's let's do this let's do that oh, great and then roll with it and see if we could you know if we can make it work and, and have a little bit of fun with it and, and again it's not that you know this is going to make them incredible footballers or whatever but it shows them also that you're 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 trying like you're you're trying to keep them engaged you're you're thinking outside the box you're not just doing the same thing you did last week the week before the week before that that you're moving your 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 thinking on a little bit and and, and look you know i i think kids and youth adults everybody responds to you know the fact that okay the coach is actually putting a bit of work in here and and it's something that we're really trying to buy into you know um okay i'll move on to the next one I've only got another couple, but uh, this is from Philip. Philip Philip makes the point about the size of footballs, and which which might not be um, hugely interesting to a lot of people, but it's it, it's in relation to the age grade. So obviously, the age grades in Gaelic football have all changed this year to the odd ages as opposed to the even ages. Uh, and Philip makes the point about under fifteens um, that under fifteens will now be using a size five football, uh, and a lot of those kids, I suppose, especially in rural clubs, will be thirteen. 14 years of age uh, and that is that is challenging then and 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 you'd question it maybe if it has an effect on technique because kids just don't have the physical strength at that stage they haven't you know a lot of them don't have the physical strength to be able to kick the ball and perform the skills as well as they would do with a with a more age appropriate ball which m- might be a size four or whatever it is um and i thought it was an interesting point yeah and he, he just he just wanted to raise the point and ask what i think of it and i and i thought i think definitely you know i i would be a big proponent of 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 giving people the equipment that's that's most age appropriate like if, if when my kids were learning to cycle i didn't put them up on my bike and push them on a hill and say best of luck there buddy um you know when we went out playing golf i'm not asking them to hit the ball with my driver uh, they have they have clubs that are that are appropriate to their size they have a bicycle that's appropriate to their size and and then they develop a bit of confidence in that and they get used to what they're doing and then they progress as as we all do through sport and in the most appropriate equipment that we that we do so again for for kids that that are unable to to kick a, a you know a size five football we should be absolutely using a size four football there's no no question and i'd even go a little bit further on it philip where you know, I, I have a big thing at the moment about the number of number of players on the field, especially at these these age groups. So I think now, because I'm involved with with my own club, with a, I'm a, a, an assistant coach as such, and with my own club at under eleven level, and my own kids play at that age group, and uh, they're talking about playing eleven aside now for under elevens, and I I think personally that that's it's too many kids. I I still think if if you have something like twenty two kids in your club uh, at that age group, uh, instead of playing two games at eleven aside. Um, why not? Why not play three games with seven aside, um, where where every kid now the research shows that every child now is going to get more touches of the ball. They're going to have more decisions. They're going to be more engaged. They're going to feel more a part of it as opposed to we play eleven aside, which is twenty two kids on a field. The better kids are the, are the more physically advanced kids for their age will dominate that game and other kids maybe who aren't as good won't get as many touches and again you're not getting the same buzz or you're not getting the same opportunities to progress as we would if the numbers were smaller so look i know it might be a side issue or a little bit of a rant but certainly i think the size of the football matters uh, and i i absolutely think even more importantly the number of kids that are on this field are really important you look at you you go on and and google the the research uh, and the work that they did in in 
Dutch soccer, Dutch football as they call it, um, back when they were struggling many years ago. And, and you look at how they how they really looked at the numbers of kids playing in the games. They started off now in 2v2, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of age groups until they're certainly into double digits. Um, that they don't play a seven aside or eight aside or nine aside. They're playing two v two, two v two, because they they know that kids have to get more touches and more decisions and more tackles and more chances and and all those things. So the numbers are are absolutely crucial with these things. That I think it's just really important that we keep the numbers down and therefore the touches and decisions and everything else go up. Okay, next one. Uh, two left. This one is a really short one from Michael. It's it's about stats. So is it better to pick the ones that suits you and apply to your team? Um, so yeah, it, it it absolutely is, Michael. That is the key to stats or performance analysis or whatever. Uh, and Ray Bine, I, I'd refer you to 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 Ray's podcast, which I thought was excellent and really informative. Not only from the point of view of obviously he's been involved at the top of the GEA tree with with Dublin. Um, both hurling and football he's 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 been involved with Tipperary hurlers involved with Dublin Camogie players uh, but he also spoke about the, the, the work that he's doing now with his own club at a, at a juvenile level and how you know he's using statistics in a way to try and focus on the skills of the game for the kids as opposed to you know the score or how many wides or any of that stuff and it's the idea of I suppose trying to catch them doing good or doing the stuff right uh, I think that's one of the big values of using very basic statistics at at kind of an underage level. Not to use, you know, as they were for many, many years, you know, stats or performance analysis was was just a means to beat somebody over the head for doing stuff bad. You gave the ball away there. What were you thinking? That was a terrible decision or that was a terrible kick pass or that was a terrible hand pass or whatever. Or it was a silly foul. So it was always nearly something negative that, you know, you're 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 being shown stuff that you did badly. Uh, whereas Ray made the message, made the point, I think, and and I fully agree with him that, like we can use stats at younger age groups to really focus on catching the kids doing stuff right. Um, like it doesn't have to be anything overly complicated. It can be a case of how many times did you know did we you know kick past the ball and it found its man? How many times did we make a high catch? How many times did we make a block down? That we're going through our sessions and we're saying, okay, well this week we're going to focus on our defending stuff. So we're maybe we're going to look at this game now and see how many block downs can we get. And individually, I'm going to count how many times we get a nice two-handed block down as as our as another player is kicking the ball. And that's our that's our metric, that's our statistic for the game. So that I'm not really concerned. Yeah, we, we're we're still trying to play a nice football and all that. But the re, the stat that I'm really focusing on today is how many blockdowns do we get? How many blockdowns do we execute really really well? And then I'll tell you at halftime and I'll tell you after the game. This is how many we got. And again, you can you can add stuff to that. Obviously, it can be anything you want: kick passes, hand passes. How many times we went past the man one on one? How many goal chances we created? What, whatever it is. But the key to it, I suppose, really, Michael, is that you know any any stats or performance analysis have to be very specific to your team. You can't take stuff that's happening from you know Dublin or Tipperary or or Kerry or anywhere else. Um, and try to try to put them into your context because that that won't work obviously. So the key with stats is take take what you need and then leave that influence what you are doing. So if it's if it's blockdowns like I mentioned, well then that's what you're working on in training. And if something gets highlighted that okay we do this really really poorly, our our kick passing is really really poor, and we only had ten completed kick passes in the game. Well then we need to do a little bit extra work on kick passes. So the idea of stats are are, are our performance analysis is just to make it actionable 
there's no point having a having an absolute book of numbers in front of you if they don't really mean anything to you so it's about having numbers that can be as simple as possible but that they do influence what you're doing in a positive way like ray, ray made the line that you know complexity sells you know and it's about like can we have the fanciest gps and the fanciest performance analysis and the and the most glossy stuff like that's fine but it's it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be like that we can do we can have very very basic stats with another 10 or 12 or 14 or 16 team that we're not ever showing to the kids but that's influencing us what we're doing in what we're doing in training the next day and the next day uh, and that's that's really all it's about it's about trying to find a progression and, and and see how it's moving in the right direction i suppose really um i had two quick ones there from um steve as well and one of them was about the length of games you know that you'd play at uh you know under sevens under nines or sorry length of drills um and again drills wouldn't be something that we'd we'd spend a whole pile of time on at at uh, at that level they're probably not a you know something we'd spend a whole pile of time on at any level really i always and i mentioned it probably before in the podcast but i look at drills now when i'm talking about drills i'm talking about specifically you know cone to cone um, whatever kind of shape you want to put in it but it's you know where we're doing our soloing or hand passing kicking whatever it might be i i always looked at drills in terms of you know they're a trip to the doctor you know if you're if you're playing games for most of your session and the session is going really well and the skills are being executed really well the kicking the catching the scoring some of the defending if everything is going really well in the game well then we don't need to go to a drill because because again going to the drill for me is when you're unhealthy you go to the doctor if you've got a chest infection you go and you get your antibiotic and you go home and you take your medicine and then you're fine in a couple of days and you go back to living normally i look at i look at drills being the exact same thing that we're we're playing we're playing games in training and and everything is good and we're all healthy and the skills are being performed well so we're good we don't need to go to the doctor but if if we're struggling for something if our kicking goes awry or a hand passing or something is going really bad and it jumps out at us from the game well then there's no problem stopping the game and jumping into a drill the very same as we would do go for our antibiotic to the doctor if we've got an illness um, and that's the way i look at our drills that's the way i think a lot of coaches now have started to to look at drills that our sessions are 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 more based around the game as opposed to based around the drill that we only go to the drill if we if we need a little pick me up to to get a little bit better but um so sorry steve i I went off on a bit of a rant there but the the idea of of how long would you do it i i I think obviously if you're talking about those young age groups under sevens or or nines or whatever it is you know you have to explain what you're doing obviously so that's all going to take a little bit of time but in terms of actually running just a little game or a little fun game with them or whatever I would I would not be going any more than 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 four or five minutes. You know, four minutes I think is loads for for anything. Uh, it's a it's a bit of a blast. Now I'm conscious of those age groups that kids will be dropping balls and someone will get lost and someone will go over there and and it'll take a while to get used to. It. So I would say four or five minutes and you're moving on. So you need to have plenty of plenty of stuff, plenty of you know variation in what you're doing. Now there's no problem doing a little bit of a you know some kind of a little drill there for a few minutes then go back over and, and play your fun game or do your little you know football game or whatever it is and then and then if you want to jump back into your drill again but uh, I, I just I think it's best you know shorter blasts are better as opposed to you know leaving a minute for for a long time obviously uh, okay this is the this is the final one uh, and this is this is a really interesting one I, I, I kept this one for last because I thought you know we, we've done this is our 14th episode now and nobody uh, has brought this up before and and i think it's a really important point actually and uh, and it's something that 
probably should be talked about a little bit more. So I'm going to read a little bit of this. This is from David. Um, so he just says, I'd like to suggest the topic of coach burnout. Or to put it another way, how do we as coaches or managers of coaches reduce the risk of burnout? As a follow-on, how can we bring someone back to the sport after the, after they experience significant burnout? I know plenty of coaches that have gone through this and have never returned to the sport. I see this as a huge loss as it could take years, if not decades, for someone else to get up to that level of experience. So it's a critical issues for clubs. It's a critical issue for clubs, excuse me. I could go on, he says. Um, and I thought it was a great point. It was a great question. Like we, we've spent, I suppose, the last 14 episodes talking about, um, you know, keeping ki- kids engaged, keeping kids in the game, making sure they have a, a really sustained lifelong involvement with sport and physical activity. Um, but I suppose to make that happen, we, we obviously have to look after our coaches as well. I thought it was a, it was a really good point. Um, so if you think about it, you know, if you're a coach yourself, even just to take 10 seconds and, and, and think in your own head, like what are you actually trying to get out of the experience? So, so whoever you're coaching, it doesn't matter what sport it is. It, it, it just, it, it's of no relevance. But what is it that you're actually trying to get out of that experience? Now, I know a lot of coaches will probably say, "Listen, my kids are playing, and like I was under a bit of pressure, and I had to do it, or whatever it is." And and that's fine. And then it, it can become something a bit bigger for you, and and that you really enjoy doing it. Uh, and then there's other clubs. I know that 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 people are just taking the positions even though they maybe don't want to because there's just nobody else to do it and, and they want to give back to the club and they don't want to see the club stuck and and I know that's there as well but I still think that if you are in a position where you're going coaching kids from the 26th on like you need to think about what you're actually getting out of it what what do you want what's the message that you're trying to you know get out of that hour and and, and leave with the kids like why are you doing it Joe O'Connor had a, had a brilliant podcast here and 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 Joe spoke about you know the power of why or the meaning of why. Like why are we why are we doing whatever we're doing? If we're coaching kids and 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 we're doing stuff in training in a certain way, we have to be able to answer that question in terms of why are we doing it? Why are we working on our kicking? Uh, if we want to just play a hand passing game, why are we working on our three point shooting at basketball training? If we only have you know five big guys who and we want to pound the ball inside, you know it's like i suppose that understanding the why is really important but to go back to david's email i i just think you know i mentioned it already with the kids in terms of the gamification but i think it's hugely important as well for for the coaches in terms of our three basic needs and and like this is something i've spoke about a lot and i think it's it's just really really important the idea of competence relatedness and autonomy so if i'm talking about a coach a new coach coming into this club someone that that i've said okay look this parent is up here all the time you know they they seem to be interested. Let's ask them. Let's let's see will they get involved. We need to help, and and they seem to be there every Saturday or Sunday morning. So let's see if they'll get involved. So suddenly the parent agrees to come in. Now what are we doing for that parent? Are we saying here's a bag of footballs, here's some cones, best to look. I'll see you in in twelve months time. That's that's not gonna that's not gonna work. Obviously that's not gonna fly. So like are we actually giving people you know the kind of training, the kind of information and tools to to do their job successfully, to feel confident enough to actually be able to carry out the tasks that we're asking them to do like that's really really important um i think and the training is one thing you know the 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 courses the coaching courses is one thing and they're they're box ticking um but like are we are we getting them 
to maybe go down and, and, and mentor a coach or, or sorry, be mentored by a coach who's been doing it for a while and who has good quality sessions and has good quality ideas? Are they maybe spending a couple of hours listening to them and helping them out and working with them and picking up bits and pieces? Because we know what they do is really good. So if they're there for three sessions or four sessions, I know they're going to pick up really good quality for them and that's going to help them moving forward. Um, are they supported like as part of the group? There's nothing worse than, than asking a coach, the coach agreeing, and then you leave them isolated. Like that, that's just not going to work, and that's why we see people drop out of it. So are we supporting them? Are we, is the club after developing a community of practice where you know for every you know one, one Sunday after training or every four, we, we meet up for a, for a coffee up there at the pitch and, and, we, and we talk about you know what's working really well for us, what's not working, what are we struggling with, what can we improve on? What are the 13s doing? What are the 15s doing? What are the 17s, 11s, all the way down the line? A bit of a, a bit of so that coaches feel noted. I'm not, I'm not actually here on an island. I'm not on my own. I've, 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 yeah, I'm part of my group, and I've got three or four coaches that work with me. But I'm also part of the big picture in terms of these guys are going to be going up in age grade next year and up in age grade the year after. So, like we're 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 talking about really feeling like i'm a part of the group the same way that we want the kids to feel a part of the group that they can identify with being a part of the team or the club or the sport we want coaches to feel the same way um, and that community of practice idea is, is is really powerful if, if it's done right in the right way and i you know just a way to share ideas to develop friendships like is the club running like a, a barbecue mid-season and after the season for the coaches and for the volunteers you know, is there is there a couple of shout outs in the notes every week? Is there a bit of fun happening? Are we doing stuff to look after those volunteers and show that not not that you're being rewarded for your efforts, but that your efforts are being recognized? That's really, really powerful. And and again, if we're talking about, you know, that that idea of competence and relatedness, everybody, they're really important facets of that. And the last one in is obviously uh, in terms of autonomy and autonomy. I speak about a lot because I think it's a really, really you know, an underutilized coaching tool in terms of coaches dealing with kids. And in this context, it's a really under underutilized tool in terms of a committee or, or coaching officer dealing with coaches. Like every coach now, every every club, excuse me, at this stage probably has some kind of a an idea of their player pathway or, or how they'd like, you know, to develop their players moving forward. And coaches obviously have to buy into that and they contribute to that and they and they and they give of their time and information towards a document like that. But they also then need to feel that they have some little bit of, of autonomy over what they do. How they, how are they going to put their own little stamp on the team? How do they influence the kids to 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 buy into the club, to buy into the team, to play in a certain kind of a way? Uh, and that's really, really in, important as well. That their club, that sorry, that the coach feels that their views are are valued, and 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 that if I come up with an idea here for the club or for the team or for whatever, that it's listened to, it's it's given a proper hearing, and then it's it's uh, it's acted upon if if it's something that's deemed pretty necessary, you know. Um, but I think that's a really really good question from from David, and I, you know, I, I'm I'm actually really glad that I had the opportunity to address that because that is a big problem. That is a really, really big problem. But if, if if we don't do some of those things that I'm talking about in terms of we don't give coaches the proper training so that they don't have the information and tools to succeed, if if we're not creating that idea of a of a community of practice, if we're not, you know, supporting everybody as a group as opposed to just leaving people out on an island. Uh, and then we don't give them that opportunity to feel that their opinion is valued, that they don't have a bit of autonomy in terms of the group that they're working with or with the club or with the coaches then they are going to drop out. They're going to wait till the first opportunity they can and they say, you know what, 
my work commitments have just got crazy and you know we've just had a baby and this and that and everything and and you'll get all the excuses and, and they'll be gone and of course th that's you know a lot of those things are very genuine reasons obviously but you know for the coaches that that do feel like you know they're being supported in the role that do feel like that there's you know the club has given them you know really regular upskilling and training and different things well then those people are going to stick it out despite how busy they are uh, and and that's the difference those thriving clubs in any sport they do a great job of looking after their their kids and, and making sure that they stay playing and stay involved but they also do a really really great job of making sure that their coaches and their volunteers feel really appreciated and really valued um, and that's difficult to do but it, it requires a little bit of thinking and a little bit of um, imagination I suppose to, to come up with ways that you know that you can keep people engaged in, in what they're doing okay uh, that's that's it now I've had I, I suppose I had about another five or six and some of them were, were similar enough to that so I, I, I'm, I'm happy to pick those ones out and and uh, and go with go go with that and and the others I, I've sent an email back just to just to fill them in on a couple of different bits and pieces that I thought as well so um, I'm gonna wrap it there folks I'm gonna I'm gonna say again I wanna I wanna really thank everybody who has donated to the, the fundraiser for Temple Street, excuse me, I want to say a big, big thank you to all my guests that have come on and have contributed so well to the podcast. Um, and I want to thank, you know, everybody that's listened. Obviously, I've, we've, I've done bigger numbers than, than I thought was, was ever going to happen. So, uh, again, I want to make a big, big push for the next two weeks. So I would appreciate everybody, uh, if, if possible, if you could share this around or share any episode. I don't care which one it is. You know, pick your favorite episode, share it around as, as, as much as you possibly can. Um, the fundraiser will close in two weeks' time. This is the final episode right now. Huge thanks to everybody. And uh, I really do hope that coaches that are getting on the field or on an outdoor basketball court or whatever sport you're involved in from next week on, you know, I, I, I do hope that maybe you've picked up some one or two little nuggets from, from some of the great guests that we've on here. And, um, and I hope you enjoy getting back on the field with everybody else. So best of luck for the year ahead, guys. Don't forget that link to the Temple Street fundraiser is in the podcast description below or on my Twitter page at Mike Quirk. Thanks again for listening.